The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Today on NFL History, I discuss the life and career of one Rocky Blyer. My name is Andrew Lenz, and this is the Two Point Conversation. All right. Hello, everybody out there. Matt is off today, so I will be running this one solo for the end of the month. And just to give you a heads up, next month we will be discussing 60-Minute Men, players that played on both sides of the ball. So we are going to talk about some pretty great names, some names you may have heard of, might not have heard of, or just don't know too much about. But pretty excited for that. But today, final final player for this month in Mr. Rocky Blyer. And this is a very interesting story. And uh, without further ado, I can't wait to get into it. So Robert Patrick Blyer was born on March 5th, 1946 in Appleton, Wisconsin. He got his nickname Rocky because... As I keep on calling Rocky, but that's not his real name. That is his nickname. Uh, it was given to him as a child because his father, uh, who owned a bar, you know, always went in there and said, you know, you should see, you should see my kid. He's strong. He's, you know, he's sitting there. He's muscular. He looks like a rock. So from that age, he just got the name Rocky from there. And there he has been known. Uh, his family owned a bar in Appleton. He had a he had a paper route as a youth and graduated from Xavier High School in 1964, where he starred in football, basketball, in football. He was a three-time All-State selection at running back, won All-Conference honors at both linebacker and defensive back, and was a team captain for the football, basketball, and track team. Uh, Blair played college football at the University of Notre Dame, graduated in 1968 with a degree in business management. During his junior season in 1966, the Fighting Irish won the national championship, and he was the captain of the team as a senior in 1967. And it was after the senior year, his father actually took him to a game uh, against the, the Steelers versus the Packers, and he didn't know if he was going to make it to the NFL, so he kind of just looked through the program for comps, just saying, you know, where where do my measurements stack up with these guys? Where, how do I do? And he started finding out that he was not that far off from his dream of playing in the NFL. And he was drafted in 1968 in the 16th round with the 400th and 17th pick in the NFL draft. And he found this out by watching the local news. So 
after his rookie season with with the Steelers, got a letter in the mail from Uncle Sam. This was on December 4th, 1968. And it said that he was drafted to the Army. So this is something that a lot of young men thought about at probably at this time. And he just thought maybe the team would take care of it. Everything would be fine. Just going, you know, just go on. Another thing when he joined the NFL, this is what he was thinking about. But he ended up serving, going to South Vietnam, and he was shipped out in May of 1969, which he lost the NFL season. Over in Vietnam, he was injured twice in the same day, uh, taken down by a grenade. And he actually was injured in his lower right leg with shrapnel and the damage severely damaged his foot as well. He did receive a bronze star and a purple heart for this action. So while he was in the hospital in Tokyo, the doctors pretty much told him he would never play football ever again. So a year into his dream of playing football, he gets drafted I know a lot of players got drafted twice, but not in this aspect. So I'm getting told that he's never going to play football again. But then all of a sudden he got a postcard while he was in the hospital. And and it simply read, Rock, the team's not doing well. We need you. Art Rooney. And that really resonated with Blyer and the fact that the team owner took the time out to send him a postcard and tell him, you know, let him that they, that they wanted him back. They needed him. And I think that's really what ignited him after several surgeries. He was discharged from the military in July of 1970. And he began informal workouts with the Steelers. And, uh, at this point, actually he was, he, he was released by Chuck Knoll and said, you know, there's, there's other guys. We want to just send you home so you can properly rehab because he's just had all these surgeries. He's walking with a cane. He's in severe pain and everything else. But then Art Rooney called him back later and said, you know what? We're just going to put you on injured reserves. So that way you can still have access to the team doctors and everything else. And this really motivated him as well because he started a heavy weight lifting program to build back up his weight. He was only 180. He went down to 180 pounds at this point. So that's not very big for a running back of five foot nine, 180 pounds. But he he worked and he worked and he returned for the 1971 season, played on the special teams. It was within the, those lean years of him playing special teams that he ended up going back to Chicago where he sold insurance during the off season. And a lot of the Steelers guys came out. It was some event he was saying, and this is right before the 73 season. And he's saying, you know what? I think I'm done. I'm not going to probably get a lot of time at running back. These coaches have made up their mind already at who's going to be the running back and who's going to be the fullback. So, I'm just not going to do it. And Andy Russell talked him out of it by saying, 
you know, you, you can't just do that. You got to, you know, you got to go out there and you got to show them. You're going to go out there and you're going to show them that you're the best. Well, who, who are they to say who is, you know, the starter, who's better than you? You got to go out there and show them. So that resonated with him. And he did end up coming back as well. And in 74, he earned a starting spot in the Steelers lineup. So that was pretty great as well. And in addition to being a great blocker, Blair was second on the Steelers as a rushing weapon, obviously behind Franco Harris, who was the primary back. Uh, And in 1976, Harris and Blair rushed for 1,000 yards each, making it the second NFL team to accomplish this feat after Murky or Morris and Larry Zonka did it in 1972. Uh, He did play on all four Steelers Super Bowl victories in the 70s, caught a touchdown pass from Terry Bradshaw that gave the Pittsburgh Steelers the lead in Super Bowl 13, and he also recovered an onside kick against Dallas, sealing the victory. Uh, He played from, he played in 1968, but then also from 1971 to 1980, four-time Super Bowl champ. George Hallis Award winner, Pittsburgh Steelers All-Time Team, Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Honor as well. Ending up with his career stats, he rushed for 3,865 yards and 23 touchdowns. So it's not a blow-away amazing career, but for a guy that was drafted a year after getting drafted into the NFL, getting injured uh, to the severity of, you know, getting his foot very badly injured and doctors saying you're not going to play anymore. For him to come back and accomplish what he did is, is absolutely amazing. And this is one of the reasons why I chose him today. He did have an ABC like television movie come out in 1980, probably around the time he retired and just talking about his life. Cause this is really, this was really just not so much a good football career winning four Super Bowl titles. He obviously wasn't the primary back all the time with Franco there, but to play on these teams, it's, it's a it's a good career with a great story of life and perseverance and that's pretty much how i feel ab- uh, all the way about this i mean there's not not much to go on bones of a career but the story behind it is absolutely amazing the fact that you get injured, you get told you're not going to be able to play. Your dreams are probably over for, let's say, the second time because you're going to get drafted and you have to leave to go go fight into Vietnam. And it, it's got to be hurtful, hurtful twice that you get you get drafted into the war. You go into the war and you're probably just thinking – and he was, you know, I'm just going to do my time. I'm going to try to stay out of the bush, stay out of, you know, the fight, 
get to a forward observation base where I can start uh, exercise workout so I can stay in shape for for the season because that's ultimately what his dream was, was to play in the NFL. As talked about, you know, looking at the, the comps, what, 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 how do I compare to these guys? And finally realizing that you got it and you, you're over there and you're like, okay, I just gotta, I just gotta get through this. I just gotta get through this. And then I can get back and I can actually, I, I, I can play, I, I can play and I can have my, football career going and then you go through that and you get injured and now you're like oh my goodness now I'm not gonna be able to do this again but also and then it's it's very hard it's it's very hard to imagine um like Matt alluded in the beginning I've served I've done time I have not done time but I've done a tour I did a tour in Iraq, and it's it's a different thing. It's a different thing. I was not in the NFL when I did this, so I, I can only imagine how he felt that this was his dream, playing the NFL, and he fought back, and he got it. This is the true inspiration of a story all the way around. It's, uh, it's good enough for a TV movie. So that that tells that tells me a lot, especially in 1980, because TV movies were pretty big back then. But he he definitely has it. He has uh, become an author, a speaker on retirement and financial management. He has offered authored a book, "Don't Fumble Your Retirement," and is the co-host of a weekly radio show, "Rock on Retirement," on Pittsburgh radio station one. 04.7 FM WPGB and that that's what he does he also did a one man show one man one night show on his life which I think is pretty pretty awesome that you that you can do that and he did do it in Pittsburgh I don't know how many people like I said outside of Pittsburgh would have been like ooh the Rocky Blair story. I definitely need this, but maybe I would have. But that is how impressive that his life is. That you want to hear this, you want to know it, and everything else. And just the journey has never stopped. We've gone over many the the different guys. Uh, Roger Stallback joined the Naval Academy. He knew that he was doing service. This is the, this is what I really liked about this month is there's all very different aspects of how they've gone into the military and what they were and what parts of their life. Roger Stahlbeck, like I said, young man went to the Naval Academy and you, you know, you're, you know, you're doing your, doing uh, your contract years, three, four years in there as well. Bum Phillips, as a young man, part of what what they call the greatest generation, joined the fight for World War II. Pat Tillman gave up his football career to go do what he thought was right and go fight overseas. And Rocky Blyer, uh, he didn't have a choice. And I think that's 
the great aspect of all of this and just to persevere and to make the best out of anything and to never give up. And that is what I gather from Rocky Blyer. Just amazing, amazing, amazing guy and great story. I'm going to have to go scour some YouTube to see if I can't find that Rocky Blyer story from, uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the old ABCs. That's pretty, that's pretty cool that he did that. He also wrote a book, uh, of his struggles to recover from war ruins called fighting back the Rocky Blyer story. And that's what it, the TV movie is made out of. So there's a book, there's a TV movie, you know, probably the book is better than movie. So go check those out if you can. And I think that concludes this episode. Like I said, next month, Matt and I will be going over 60 minute men, men that played the whole game whole 60 minutes offense defense sometimes even special teams so don't miss that and with that being said on behalf of the two-point team i'm andrew lens and the two-point conversation is good